from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Well, friends, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And let us prepare our hearts now for the worship of God as we wait on the choir. Good morning. My name is Mark Downs. I'm an elder here at First Presbyterian Church of Atlanta. Would you please join me in our call to worship? Give thanks to God and call on God's name. God has done wonderful works for us. God's promises are sure. Sing to God, sing praises to God, praise our God. Our Old Testament lesson this morning is from Genesis chapter 29, verses 15 through 28. Hear now God's word. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were lovely, and Rachel was graceful and beautiful. Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, that I may go into her, for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her maid. When morning came, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Did I not serve you? For Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, This is not done in our country, giving the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel as a wife. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Our second scripture lesson comes from the epistle to the Romans, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. It can be found on page 192, I believe, of your pew Bibles. Let us listen now for God's word to us today. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words, and God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good, for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This too is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Let us pray. O oh, gracious and loving God, we ask you to give us ears to hear and hearts to receive your holy word to us today. May the words of our mouths and the meditation of each of our hearts be acceptable before you, O oh Lord, you are our strength and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Friends, this morning we realize that summer is slipping away from us 
and our children are experiencing the familiar tug of back-to-school announcements, drowning out the noise of the summer pool and the smell of barbecue on the grill, we are slowly preparing ourselves for familiar fall customs within the life of the church. We are actually counting down the days before our first fall Sunday school classes begin, and our youth are no doubt looking forward to a new exciting church year with confirmation classes with Mr. York and participating in helping to resettle new refugees with Mr. Case and Miss Mayette. In the life of our church, each of these actions serve as a common custom that we are familiar with. It's a custom that signals to us in our church family that a new season is upon us. And each new season gives us an opportunity to offer ourselves in new ways of expressing our love for God. After all, each of these experiences are a type of offering that we give to God as an example of our time, talent, and treasure. So God can keep score, right? Well, not exactly. And so today, our sermon tells us that we are listening to an expression of a loving God who at least we are seeking to be in relationship with and it is truly customary for the church to be the place of emphasis on which we place our testament to the fact that we are children of God. Yet, I would caution us to understand, just as Rebecca has told the children, that God's love is not predicated on how much we love God. In fact, our Old Testament lesson tells us of a young man who is familiar to many of us who have read the biblical narrative. His name is Jacob, and he has a twin brother named Esau. And to just give you a little bit of background on the twins before they're born, God informs their mother, Rebecca, that she is pregnant with two rivaling nations. God says, the older son will serve the younger. Now, no doubt, this sounds like a huge mistake because in their context, it is customary for the oldest son to receive the double portion blessing from his father. Therefore, Esau, the oldest twin, should rightfully be the one to receive the greatest blessing. But Rebecca, perhaps remembering what God had said about her two nations inside, decides to take matters into her own hands. Rather than waiting on God's timing, she devises a plan 
that puts her younger son in the position to receive his father Isaac's blessings and encouragement. Now, have any of you ever taken into your own hands the plan that you thought God was not working out fast enough? How did that turn out for you? <laughs> Pastor Tony told us last week as to how Jacob took advantage of his brother's hunger to trick him into selling his birthright to him. So now we know that Jacob is a cheater. In fact, his name means trickster. Well, at just the right time, Rebecca helped Jacob seal the deal to ensure that he had his father's blessings. And those blessings actually should have been given to Esau. So Jacob is on the run from his brother Esau and on the run to find his wife. When God is not moving fast enough for us, that might be just the right time for us to stand still and stand on God's promises. Just wait and see what God will do. However, Jacob takes off. And sure enough, he runs into the direction of his uncle Laban. Well, I can tell you, that last week, some of us joined members of Hillside and many others down at the Human and Civil Rights Museum where we watched the documentary film entitled A Trek to the River's Edge, a film that outlines the strategy, planning, and actions of the students and the support they received from the larger community as they came against the oppression of segregation in contemporary America. We heard firsthand from those who were as young as 16 and 17 years old at the time when they made the decision to make a difference and transform this nation into being a more humane society. Hearing of their bravery was only topped by learning that the most powerful weapon with the most lasting impact was not at all about their just sitting in at the lunch counters or their courage to not fight back when they were being hit or abused, nor was it going in and out of jail for many months. The most effective weapon they used is still a powerful weapon today. It boiled down to economics. When the African-Americans boycotted riches and other stores, the loss of revenue caused the owners to come and sit down and talk to each other at the table to reach an agreement that both sides could live with. We also had the privilege of having Mr. Rich's grandson serve as a witness to that last week, and it was a powerful opportunity for us. Children of God, 
we still have the opportunity to discern whether or not we should continue with what is customary or whether God is calling us out to be courageous and do something different that might actually help those who are the least of these among us. Loving God sometimes requires us putting our trust in God and standing up for what we know is right, regardless of whether it is customary or not. Sometimes we are looking at hard realities and determining whether we are actually following Jesus into the world or whether we will simply do what is customary. Well, during Jacob's time, it is customary for him to marry someone who's close in his family. Therefore, he does continue his journey to his uncle Laban. What he doesn't know, though, is that being a cheater is something that runs in the family. Oftentimes, what goes around comes around. What he doesn't know is that his uncle Laban has two daughters, the older Leah and the younger Rachel. Jacob falls in love almost immediately for Rachel, the younger daughter. And after about a month of working for free for his uncle, his uncle actually asked him, what is it that he should pay him in wages? Jacob says, he will work for seven years to marry his daughter, Rachel. And Uncle Laban agrees. And as many of you know, the night of the wedding with all of the festivities and the customary rituals that take place, Jacob wakes up the next morning only to discover he is married to Leah. And when he wakes up, he says, what is this? What have you done to me? I worked for seven years for Rachel. This is, this is not right. That's when his uncle Laban tells him, well, it is our custom that the older daughter must marry before the younger daughter. Now, if you will go ahead and continue the wedding festivities that would last this entire week with this entire community witnessing, I will certainly allow you to work another seven years for Rachel. Therefore, Laban realized he had been had and yet he was so in love with Rachel that he said yes. Well, as it turns out for all of us, Leah is the great, great grandmother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, not Rachel. Therefore, loving God means trusting God even in the times when the way is not clear when we are still looking through the glass a little bit dimly, but we are trusting God 
It means holding on to God's unchanging hand even when we receive the report that we don't want to hear from the doctor. It means continuing to hold God's hand when we get that phone call in the late midnight hour that tells us of a loved one having passed on much too young. Oh yes, even those of us who know that we have been cheaters like Jacob, we too must humble ourselves and seek to please God, even if it means learning new customs. As the children of God, let us not forget the words that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans, all things work together for the good, for those who love God, and for those who are called according to God's purpose. When was the last time you checked God's purpose in your life? We know that we are to love and glorify God all day long, Yet how, how are we to live that out? Are we to speak up and challenge unfair practices that cause too many of our brothers and sisters not to have safe and affordable housing? Or do we just allow what is customary to continue? Because we have faith in God, no matter what the circumstance is, we must remember that if the bad is working for our good and the good is working for our good, then God is truly good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Let us all remember that we are to continue trusting God at all times in our lives. Thanks be to God. Amen. Lord, throughout these summer months, we have heard from the Apostle Paul and we have heard the stories that come from Genesis. And within the narrative, of your people and the formation of your covenant community, we heard once again of missteps. We've heard once again of people taking matters into their own hands. We've, we've heard once again people establishing what they think is best, even when it moves against who you were calling them to be and what you were calling them to do. And even still, oh God, we hear of your good news. Connie reminds us once more that, that you are working in our stories and the human story despite our wandering, despite our misstep, despite our desire for autonomy and our desire for control, you continue to work all things for good. We know that that work is rooted in love. We know that that love 
is not something that we earn, but is something that is freely given. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would open our hands, that you would fit us with shoes to walk in the world rooted in this love. Lord, for those of us who find ourselves in a moment of grief, in a moment of loss, for those of us who are standing in the gap for someone who is in danger, who is in a perilous time, someone who has lost their way, someone who is experiencing depression, addiction, we'd ask, oh Lord, that you would be God and that you would do what you said you would do to work your good in and through these situations. Lord, all of us come into this sacred space with some measure of longing, some measure of hopefulness, some measure of yearning for you to intercede and to work. And in this moment of silence, O oh Lord, we name those things. We name those individuals. We name those circumstances. We name those injustices. We name those illnesses. We name those anxieties to you, knowing that you hear us. Lord, in a world where we are tempted and Lord, by so many things, so many things vying for our allegiance, so many things vying for our trust, we pray as the old hymn has taught us that we would stand on your promises, that we would stand on your truth, stand on what you have done once and for all in human history, in and as and through the person known as Jesus the Christ who is our Redeemer and our Rock, who is our Lord and our Savior, who is our friend, who is the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, don't go from this place remembering while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Christ prays for us, Christ reigns in power for us. And may the power, grace, mercy, and peace of God the Father and Holy Spirit be with us all and remain with us always. Amen.